Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. I really think you should focus on your strengths and do what you do best and find others who can compliment you to uh, fill in on your weaknesses. Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fun That Flip. And they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fun That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times given us his insight on the online lending process. Fund That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. And you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too. And make a determination on the max purchase price. Super important. You can print out all the detailed reports and that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool. Fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. With us today, Cameron Skinner. How you doing, Cameron? Hey, Joe. I'm doing excellent. Nice to have you on the show, and I'm really happy to hear that you're doing excellent. A little bit about Cameron. He is a full-time real estate investor and general contractor. He has completed over 100 rental properties, which is a mix of single-family, multifamily, and commercial. He is a former Army officer who served in Iraq in 2003 and is awarded the Bronze Star. So let me pause right there and... My friend, thank you so much for your service to our country. Thank you very much for mentioning it. Also a president of the Salvation Army Advisory Board and licensed to practice as a CPA and tax accountant based in Panama City, Florida. With that being said, Cameron, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Maybe just to bring you full circle, I started 
back in 2000 in real estate. I had just gotten out of college and got my accounting degree and got my license to practice tax before the IRS. What happened was is I had a, an Army buddy who actually had a tax problem, and he was superintendent for a large contractor, but maybe one time a year he would build a spec house. He would build a house and he would sell it. And when I was helping him out with his taxes, I saw where he was probably making ten or $12,000 doing his spec house, but only making twenty-five, dollars $30,000 a year as a superintendent. So when I was talking to him, I was like, well, why don't you build 10 spec homes? And his answer was, well, the bank won't loan me the money, and there's just too much risk. And I said, well, what if we partner up and build some together? Because the bank, of course, would loan me the money. And that's how I kind of got started into the real estate. How did that turn out? Walk us through the first couple months of that process. Well, basically what we did was is he would build the house. He was the licensed contractor. And then what I would do is I would provide the financial backing for it. I would put up the initial deposit, you know, usually 20% of the construction loan. And I would get all the financing. And then with my accounting background, I would do all of the bookkeeping and all the paperwork. And what I learned very quickly was this became a really good win-win because most contractors, they tend to come up through the trade. So they're a framing carpenter or they're actually working the houses themselves. And they're usually really good with their hands, but they might not be so good with the paperwork. So by me doing all the paperwork and doing all, paying all the bills and handling all of that, I could focus on what I was good at and they could focus on what they were good at. And so then we would build the house and then we would sell it, and then we would split the profits 50-50. Hmm. Do you have one project within that structure that you can share the numbers and how it turned out? Normally, if you build a house for, say, 150000 your margins would be approximately 15 to 20%. But you could make $25,000, $30,000 on the house, and then we would split the profits evenly. Now, you know, granted, that's an average. Sometimes you do a lot better than that, and sometimes you do a lot worse than that, and you can even lose money on the deal. So you worked on that for how long? I did that for several years when I started out, and then I partnered up with one particular contractor, and we started a full-blown contracting business and grew it. We had several superintendents and project manager, had about 12 employees at one time, and then we had the financial crash. And when the financial crash happened, it was a real kick in the teeth. I mean, we were probably over leveraged at the time, or excuse me, we were over leveraged. And that was a really hard process to go through. So we teetered on bankruptcy. And then after I came out the other side, I tend now to be much more conservative and now much more particular on what I do. And I move a lot slower and I've been growing my portfolio slower. And also through that process, when everything crashed, a lot of the houses we couldn't sell, so then I did lease options, I leased the houses, and so I built up a portfolio, and then I realized, hey, this isn't such a bad thing. Instead of just building houses and selling them, now I'm building houses and renting them. And that can be a great tax advantage when you build the house and rent it, because one, you're switching ordinary income into capital gain if you rent it for at least a year, and then also you can do what's called cost segregation which means you can uh, depreciate things like your site improvements, some of your fixtures in your house quicker, so you get a bigger deduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and best ever listeners, we've talked about cost segregation a couple times on the show, so we won't, we won't go into it too much on this episode, but if you're curious, just 
Maybe type in cost segregation, Joe Fairless, and maybe that will come up with something. I'll search that later just to make sure that's the case. If not, I'll give you a better search term. But there's a couple episodes we've gone deep on that. You said with the crash, you were teetering on bankruptcy and you came out of it. Now you grow your portfolio slower. What are some specific things that you're doing now that you weren't doing before? What I'm doing now is I tend to focus on smaller, modest homes that I know I can rent. So instead of going in and building a bigger, nicer home that I might have a bigger profit in, I will tend to build a smaller home that I know if I can't sell it, that I can rent it and make sure that I can easily cover my costs. So smaller projects that you can manhandle if needed and do whatever you need to with it and that you're not going all in on. Right. Cool. And by the way, best ever listeners, yeah, you can just search cost segregation, Joe Fairless, and episode 750 is one, and then there's a couple others that you can listen to. Walk us through the last deal you did, Cameron. The last deal I did... I'm trying to think. I do so many deals. So, <laughs> give it, give it maybe a, a recent one. A recent deal. Okay. So, what I've been real successful at recently is banks still have inventories of lots that they are, are trying to get rid of. And so, what I can do is a lot of times is go in and buy 10 lots from a bank in a bulk sale. And then that way I can get my land cost down. And then I'll partner up with a builder and then He'll build the houses. I will provide all the financial backing, and I will provide all the accounting and all the tax work. And then we'll build the houses, and we'll split the profits. And then I'll usually have an agreement with them. If we can't sell the house, either we'll partner up to rent the house, or I'll buy them out of their piece. Mm -hmm. What's been the most profitable venture for you so far from a deal standpoint? The most profitable venture for me has actually been actually outside of what I normally do, which is kind of ironic, but I got a call one time from a bank. They wanted me to take a look at a trailer park, and of course, I don't do trailer parks, but I was like, well, maybe I could tear down the trailer park and put in duplexes or something. So I went out and looked at it, but since I didn't know anything about trailer parks, I called a friend who does trailer parks, and we went and looked at it. And he was all excited about it. He's like, this is a gold mine because it was really close to the beach. You can't build any new trailer parks in our area. So he really saw an opportunity, which I didn't see. So I made the deal with the bank, and they said, we have to know by today because we're foreclosing on the property, but we do not want to take possession of this for liability reasons. And then when I got home, I told my wife about it, and she goes, it better not be that trailer park that had the meth explosion. And I was like, well, what now? It couldn't be that that trailer park. Sure enough, it was that trailer park. And it was all over the news. There was a big meth explosion. The little girl had gotten burned. I mean, it was just, and I even thought about trying to call my attorney and get out of it. But what we were able to do, we were able to remove the meth exploded trailer, get rid of it. We were able to go in there and clean out all the squatters and get everything cleaned up. And then what we did was we sold the trailer lots, basically. And so people could move in their own trailers or they could basically give them these old derelict trailers if they wanted them. And they would fix them up. And it's all we do is collect the rent on the trailer lot. That has been a very successful project, which really surprised me how successful it's been because I was not expecting that. How much you buy it for? I bought it for about two hundred fifty. Two hundred and fifty thousand and what did you have to put into it? How much money? 
But the great thing about it is it took very little to get into it because what we did was when we went in there, we one, the bank gave us really good financing terms because they were just trying to get it off their books and they didn't want to take this park that had a meth explosion in it. Really, we just had to haul off the trailer, go in there, clean it up, and we went to the sheriff's department website and copied the logo off of that. And we said it was being patrolled by the drug interdiction unit or something <laughs> like that on there and just posted that on all the doors. And then we hired a guy from my friend's other trailer park to drive through at night and shine his headlights throughout the trailer park. <laughs> and so we got all the squatters ran off. And then we just sold off the trailers like for $500 or even $300 and then got the lot rents right away. How many lots are there within that trailer park? There's approximately 20 lots in there. 20 lots, and what are they renting for? Right. They rent for $300 a month. Okay. 20 lots, 300 a month, that's $6,000 a month. And what would you say are your monthly expenses? We provide water, sewer, and garbage. So our monthly expenses are less than $1,000 a month. Not including carrying costs? No, not including uh, interest. Right. How many hours do you put into this on a weekly basis, and what are you doing during those hours? None. None? So, I mean, very little. So, so I mean, I put the numbers in the computer. That's about it. <laughs> do you have an on-site manager, or does your business partner oversee it? I use professional property management. Okay. And the property management fee is factored into that less than 1000 I believe so. Okay, so roughly it's yeah. They, you know, they take their fee out of the out of the gross rent. Okay, the community is making about five thousand dollars a month. About right. Okay, I think the thing to notice about this is kind of keep an open mind, you know, and, and look for more than what you've been doing. That there's all kinds of opportunities, and I tell people too, don't think this fell in my lap. I went to all the banks after things started recovering slightly, and they were trying to get rid of some of the properties that they had taken in foreclosure. And I met with all the special asset managers and, and, hey, if you've got something you need to get rid of, give me a call. So through networking, that's how I was able to find this deal. Mm, that's a great point, and thank you so much for highlighting that. You went to all the banks. You talked to them and asked to speak to the special asset manager. Is that their title? Correct. Okay. So if a best-ever listener – would want to replicate this process of getting some deals from banks that they have foreclosed on, they're trying to get off their books. Should they walk in the bank? Should they call the bank? Should they email the bank? How did you do it? I just went to the local banks and then asked to speak to whoever the special asset manager is. Sometimes you have to go through a couple different people because they're not sure. Whoever's handling the foreclosures, Okay, that's who you want to talk to. Okay, got it. So if they're not familiar with the special asset manager term, then you simply talk plainly to them and ask who's handling the foreclosures. I'd like to speak to him or her about helping get the assets off their books. Right. And you need to talk to probably like the commercial loan people go into that department because if you just go to the front tellers, of course, they're not going to know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You need to probably be in the commercial loan department. Got it. Okay. So go find the commercial loan department and then ask them who is handling the foreclosures, i.e. the special asset manager, and then they'll connect you with that person, most likely. Correct. Okay. I think another point to make is on that deal was that 
kind of focus on what your strengths are and what your expertise are and realize what your weaknesses are. And, of course, I had no idea about how to handle the trailer park or even if it would be profitable. So I found somebody who had expertise in trailer parks. I just didn't go in there and do it. But I built that network of people so that I try to have lunch with different people in real estate at least once a week in different areas of real estate so that I can learn more and more. And that's what, how I found this gentleman. I heard that he was into trailer parks. I'd never known trailer parks, so I had lunch with him a few times. And so that's how I found him, and then he became my partner on this deal. Best ever listeners, if you're not involved with a monthly meetup, then go get involved. And if you don't know of one, then go start one. That's for sure. And that's where you can build these relationships. I want to go back to the special asset manager conversation. Let's say you walk into the bank, to the commercial loan department, you know, ask to see the special asset manager, and they say, oh, well, that's actually me. What do you say after that? You just tell them that you're interested in purchasing foreclosures, and if they have a deal come up, and you would love to take a look at it and see if you can help get it off their books quickly. Because you got to remember, these banks do not want to hold property on their books. So a lot of times they will unload it at lower than market values just to get it off their books quickly, especially if it has a problem. And just let them know, I'll look at anything, even if it does have some sort of problem. It might have some sort of title problem that you can work on to get cleared up. Like this project here had some sort of liability that they would absorb that they weren't willing to absorb. So it's going to make clear to them that you'll look at anything. And then once you find that, then you start doing your due diligence and you work and you find another expert in that particular real estate field to help you with it. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate advice, we kind of touched on it, is I really think you should focus on your strengths and do what you do best and find others who can compliment you who uh, fill in on your weaknesses. That is one of the insights that I've had recently and has helped me grow my business. That's for darn sure. So thank you for reinforcing that in my mind. Selfishly, thank you. And then best ever listeners, it sounds kind of obvious, but when we internalize it and really live that, then our business grows exponentially. I think we're kind of trained early on in school. If you're making 100 in math and you're making D's and F's and other subjects, I mean, where does all the focus go, all your resources and time goes into things you're not doing good at? So we're kind of trained to be mediocre at everything. But the market rewards what you're really, really good at. So if you focus your time on what you're really, really good at, then you'll be much more successful in whatever you're doing. And we see that time and time again. Like I was mentioning before, what I'm really good at is putting the projects together, doing the accounting work, doing the tax planning strategies, doing that kind of thing. And so I focus on that, and then I let other people who are really good with their hands at building the house, I let them focus on that. I love that so much, and (laughs) I love your quote of we're trained for being mediocre at everything, but the market rewards us for being essentially outstanding. I forget the exact word you used, but I was writing it down. It's so true. I mean, think about when we're in school, we're making A's and B's, then our focus just has to go towards the C's and D's if there are any. There were in my case. I can tell you that. Damn you, chemistry. (laughs) Yeah. And I struggle with this. I really need to take my own advice. A lot of times I'll see something, I'll be like, oh, I can just do that. It'll just take me an hour to go out and and fix this little thing. And But then I've got to go to the hardware store three times and I spend half a day. 
where if I would take my own advice and really focus on what I'm good at, then I would be much more effective in what I'm doing. And you know what? We're happier and we're more fulfilled when we are good at what we do. So if we focus on what we're good at, we feel really good at the end of the day when we've done a great job. But if we sat there and tiddled around with a flapper valve on a toilet or something and halfway fixed it, we're going to feel horrible at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask you one thing that comes to mind is you weren't focused and your expertise wasn't on trailer parks, but you bought one. How do you bridge that gap? Because that wasn't your strength. Right. Trailer parks aren't my strength. So how I bridged that gap was partnering with someone who had those expertise. I used my expertise looking at the financials, figuring out if it would be profitable, doing all the accounting work, making sure we set it up in the best tax structure. I focused on what I did well, and then I leaned on my partner who had expertise in those because that was my weakness. How do you run the financials on something that you haven't done before? You get as much information as you can from your business partner. He knows what things cost in that arena, and you create a budget, and then you just really try hard to stick to the budget. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out. Besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book I read? This is a tough one. This is a really tough one because I'm an avid reader and I really enjoy reading. So it's like really tough. But what's been one of the most beneficial things in my life and what has really helped me And I try to do this every few years. I read through the book of Proverbs in the Bible. And even if you're not real spiritual or religious, if you just read through those Proverbs, you have to remember that book was written by one of the richest men in ancient times. And he was giving advice to his son. And so when you read through that, even if you kind of look at it not from a spiritual point of view, you look at it, okay, I'm going to learn principles and fundamentals of how to set up my business. And you read it almost from a secular point of view, it really can help you plan your business, structure it, and get advice that has been time-tested and proven over centuries. I hadn't thought of it that way. Thank you for sharing that angle and that way to approach it. I'm going to check that out. Best ever deal you've done? The best ever deal I've done, probably the trailer park that we spoke about before. Best ever way you like to give back? The best ever way I like to give back, a couple of ways. I do a lot of mentoring. I enjoy giving people advice, talking with people, mentoring young guys who are getting into the business. 
And then I do a lot of work in India. I've been to India about 12 times. I started some preschools over there, helping out kids who are in the slums and who wouldn't have a chance for education or uh, good, healthy meals. We provide those. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? The biggest mistake would have to be over-leveraging before the financial crisis. So having too much debt will get you in trouble every time. So you need to be very, very careful with debt. I tell people debt is like fire. It's great if you're cooking with it or if you've got it in a fire, it you know, can keep you warm. But if you're burning leaves in your front yard and you've got a gas grill going and you've got a fire going in your fireplace <laughs> and you're burning trash in the backyard you got candles in the bathroom and you're trying to maintain all those different fires going on, you can get yourself in trouble really, really quick. How much is too much debt? But that's a really hard question. I think everyone's individual situation is different. I would say I, I want to make sure that if something dramatic happens, that I can make sure that I can carry the debt on my current income. Okay. For how long? I have pretty good reserves. So I always try to keep about six months in reserves, but I want to be able to cash flow. I want to cash flow forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, if something dramatic happens, you still got six months in reserves. Correct. And what's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? Email me at crazyrent.com. That's K-R-A-Z-Y-R-E-N-T at gmail.com. Or you can call me. It's fine to call me at 850-258-8888. And I'm always happy to answer tax questions or help people out with advice. Or sometimes people just call me and want to bounce an idea off me. Well, I know you'd be a good person to bounce ideas off of, that's for sure, based on your traditional background of license to practice as a CPA and tax accountant, as well as your practical background as a real estate investor. I'm really grateful that you shared with us how you found your best ever deal, which is by going to all the banks and telling them, hey, if you want to get rid of some of your properties that are foreclosures, I'm your guy, reach out to me. And lo and behold, it ended up being something that brings in roughly $5,000 a month in profits. And it wasn't even something that you had expertise in, but you identified the right business partner and you leveraged your strengths. They leveraged their strengths and it's working out tremendously well. It's a great story. I love hearing real life case studies on things that work and things you would improve. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. And Cameron, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out. Besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.